Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nettling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I am very happy to have Emily Rogers, who is the host of the Leap to Lead podcast, and we're going to learn a little bit about leadership today. Let me tell you a little bit more about Emily. She is a highly skilled transition and leadership coach with a passion for empowering individuals and organizations to reach their full potential. With over two decades of experience in the field, Emily has helped countless countless clients navigate through major life transitions and develop the necessary skills to excel in life and at work. Drawing from her diverse background in psychology, business and personal development, Emily employs a holistic approach to coaching that addresses both the practical and emotional aspects of change. Her empathetic nature and ability to create a safe and supportive environment allows clients to explore their goals, fears, and aspirations with confidence. As a transition coach, Emily specializes in helping individuals navigate career changes, new roles, life transitions, and personal transformations. So whether it is transforming into a new role, navigating a career shift, or embarking on a new life career, life chapter, Emily guides her clients through the challenges, providing them with the tools, strategies needed to overcome the obstacles and achieve success. So in the realm of her leadership coaching, Emily works with executives, managers, emerging leaders to enhance their skills as leaders develop their authentic leadership style, and create high-performing teams. Today, I thought it would be great to talk about the demands on leadership. And uh, it has uh, been an interesting last three years. (laughs) So uh, I thought it was a great topic. So please welcome Emily Rogers. Emily, thank you so much, Vicki. Thank you for that amazing introduction. (laughs) Yes, so (laughs) such a great background and um, good information for people to know. We always start as a uh, with a simple question, which is just telling everybody where do you live? Well, I'm Australian, but I live in New Zealand at the moment, so I'm married to a New Zealander. 
So ah. um, we've, we've traveled a lot and that will no doubt come out throughout conversation. So, so, so good. And yes, uh, New Zealand, Australia, Fiji, all those are on my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> must do. <laughs> so I'd love for you to share a bit about really what led you to the journey that you're on today. Yeah, um, and it, it is largely due to that life that we have lived um, since we got married. So we got married 16 years ago and we've basically been moving every two years since then. <laughs> um, so I had a career in human resources. I was a um, senior regional um, HR manager and, you know, had done a lot of coaching, a lot of work with executives, developing um, leadership programs. And then as we moved into Asia, I could work easily in Hong Kong, India, I retrained as a coach. Um, and then as we moved into China, so we moved to Chongqing in China and it's a second tier city, nobody spoke English. I couldn't work in a tr traditional sense. And then we moved to Taipei and still, although people spoke English, I couldn't read the, the local legislation. So I wasn't able to work. So sort of through experience, but also I guess those roadblocks that were in front of me, I then started my own business and have, you know, four and a half years now in business and have taken the experiences that I had volunteering in those countries, doing them some coaching work in those countries and my HR career to now support others as they transition, whether it's into a new job, whether it's back to work or whether it's um, as a leader, um, that's where mm -hmm. I come in to support people. Awesome. Excellent. And just uh, the the benefits of those different touches of the different cultures just makes yes. you even more valuable of, of a resource. Cause I think that sometimes leaders forget. I, I was just a guest on a podcast the other day where we were talking about this and the um, you know, when you hire people and you orient them to your new job, you sometimes forget that, that we have a diverse workforce now in terms of the five generations, but also the different cultures and yes. understanding the cultures as well as the diverse generational changes is really important and take some homework <laughs> and yes, leaders absolutely. need to understand that, I think. Absolutely. And even the subtleties of it, you know, an Asian culture, they're, they're taught not to ask questions. Yeah. But in Western culture, we rely on people asking questions. So there's automatically a disconnect in in so much of what you want to achieve yeah when i first was a, a project lead um, a while ago um, we only had audio conference calls <laughs> and i worked with people in asia quite a lot and uh so i would get affirmative do you understand and and so from a culture perspective it was yes 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 <laughs> <laughs> and then whenever it came time to the execution, things went awry because they truly didn't. And so yeah. later years, whenever we started to do video conferencing, even before Zoom, I made sure that my Asian folks were always on camera so yes. I could see their facial expressions and things and, and get them to really talk with us a little bit more without mm. by, but also saving face. Yes, yes. yes. And, and I think the key there, one tip I always give the leaders I work with, don't ask a yes and no question. It's as simple as can you or can you not do this? Mm -hmm. And that can, cannot actually then gets into, because they can say yes all the time and then you get to the can you or can, cannot. 
and it's a cannot answer it's like okay mm-hmm. let's go back yeah so that could be right. a simple shift that you can make for sure so uh, how do you help clients navigate through major life transitions and develop um to be able to really develop the skills they need to excel in whatever they yeah. choose next to do yeah i guess you know transitions by their nature seem to erode a lot of confidence in people and it can lead to a feeling of loss no matter whether it's something you're choosing to do or whether it's something that's forced on you um you will go through these this phase of loss and and lack of confidence and it's a lot to do with how the amygdala works in our brain that fight or flight response and the natural response is then to protect you and pull you back and not try and push you forward so a lot of the work I do starts with, and it doesn't matter who you are or what it is you're trying to achieve, we'll start with looking at what are your strengths. Yeah. Because when you truly know your strengths and how they how they work for you, but also how they help you to serve and serve others, whether it's in your role or in your business or going for that next career move, when you know your strengths, then you can truly show up. And when you can take, okay, these are my three key strengths and this is how they serve me and how I want to serve others using them, then you can start to say, well, then this is my right next step. This is my purpose. This is where I'm going. And I guess the 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 strengths are the foundation piece, but then answering that question for now, for the period of time that makes sense for me. Mm-hmm. And it could be it's a two-year thing. It could be it's a five-year thing. But I think we put too much pressure on ourselves when we're going through a transition to say, I've got to get it right. This is the rest of my life. Yeah. Where it's it's really not. It's really in this moment now, in this period of your life, how do your strengths serve you? How can you serve others? And what does that look like or make sense for you? And you're really accurate in the sense that um, understanding your strengths really is gives you that self-confidence gives you that uh, self-esteem yeah and but i think too often people especially when you get into leadership into management upper management you feel that you have to have this persona of perfection and that adds to a whole lot of the mindset that keeps you from really achieving what you want because you're trying to be something that you're not yet ready to be, if you will. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so to accept the fact that whatever this new path is, you may have strengths in these three areas, but there are areas that you have weaknesses, new things you don't even know yet. You don't even know that you don't even know it yet. And you, you may fail, you may um, mess up and, and it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the key there, you know, you've you've touched on it is nobody's perfect. Yeah. Nobody. It doesn't matter how senior you get in an organization or how well or successful your business is, you're not perfect. So know your strengths, play to your strengths. But yeah, there's going to be stuff that you're going to need other people to support you with. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one right there. Yes. <laughs> so that word with, that begins with a D that nobody likes to do half the time, the delegation, it, yeah. it's almost like, well, if I have somebody else do it, they won't do it as well as I can or as fast as I can. And for yeah. me, the whole thing about leadership was not so much always about me, but 
who is going to take my job so I can go somewhere up or out. Yes. And, yes. and a lot of times people forget about that and, and they don't share their knowledge. And, and that's why I love mentoring because yes. it kind of reminds you that it's okay to delegate. You should do that. You should share knowledge. Yeah. And, um, and I guess it's about preparing your business or your organization for when you do move on. Yeah. But also in the current now, you know, the Pareto principle, I never say it right, the 80-20 rule, mm-hmm. you know, I guarantee if you're not delegating, you're spending 80% of the time on stuff that isn't important. Yeah. Whereas it should be the other way around. Yeah, and that is true. We can't do what we are truly called to do if we're bogged down in the admin and the other aspects that our team should be doing for us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and, you know, from a leadership role, you really do go from operational to strategic. And that's where yes. your your value to the company should be. And it is hard to give up the reins as <laughs> something that, <laughs> that you've done for a while, you know. But for the betterment of the company or the business um, and yourself, you really yeah. do need to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as um, a coach for transitional folks, um, you really specialize in helping um, us make sure that we can navigate those those changes, those um, life transitions, personal transitional, professional transitions. Spend a little bit of time discussing that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think... One thing that I, when I work with people, understanding that transition is normal mm-hmm. is really key, that you will feel a little bit lost at some point, that you will lose a bit of confidence and that's normal and that is so important to understand because transition happens because you move state, because you move country, because you got married, because your kids are now in school, because they've left the, left the nest because you want that promotion, because you want to change careers, because you want to start our own business. There are so many reasons mm-hmm. transition happens. And as I said, you can choose it or life dictates it. Yeah. It doesn't change the fact it's still a transition and you will feel a sense of loss and you will feel that confidence start to erode. So understanding that it's normal, you haven't done anything wrong, that you are just finding your next act, your second act, if you yeah. like. And moving forward, um, that is a really key piece of, of the work that I do with people. And, and if your listeners can really embrace that, mm-hmm. then they're already on that journey um, and, you know, going to hit the ground well. So I think that's really, really important. Knowing your strengths in that space. So once you accept this as normal and then you know your strengths and I've got some tools um, that I can share with your listeners um, as if they want to use them, but, you know, knowing your strengths and knowing how they serve you, that's how your confidence comes back. So yes, it will erode, but that's how you get it back again. So as you were talking about that, I was wondering when we talk about your transition, your change in your, your leadership role, if you have, as you did, a husband, um, <laughs> a partner, children, talk about the challenges of that situation where, yeah. you know, that change 
not only affects you, but it really does affect them. And how, yeah. how do you handle that? And, and also, if you could also touch on the fact that maybe you're in a different country as an expat yeah. experiencing yeah. this. Yeah. I think the key is, and I've got lots of keys, but it's about embracing it. You know, as I said, understanding that it's normal, that you will experience that sense of loss and that, and that erosion of confidence and, how it shows up when you, you've just touched on it because you probably have a partner, you've probably got kids. It shows up in how you treat the people around you, the people mm-hmm. you love the most. Mm-hmm. And the way you treat yourself is how it's going to show up. For me, that absolute crucial moment where I realised I needed to do something different, my girls were little and mm-hmm. I was literally yelling at them over spilt milk. Like, and my daughter's face, I was like, this is not who I want to be. I have yeah. to do something different. And it could be that you're being a real sarky, you know, to your to your partner. It could be that you're yelling at your kids. It could be that you're neglecting yourself mm. and you're binging maybe too much on chocolate or not sleeping at nighttime and binging on television. It will show up in how you're treating those you love, mm. either yourself or your family. And if that's happening for you, then it's probably a sign that you are about to start a transition or you're in a transition. Oh. So when you're moving countries, you've got the added complexity of new languages, new cultures, new, and I'm changing too. And <laughs> you tend to deal with that stuff for about six months. And then you get to the point where you then have to address me yeah. and what this means for me while I'm in this location. Right. And so If you're getting sarcastic and snappy and yelling and treating yourself badly or treating your kids badly, you know, you have to be honest with yourself to identify it, but realize it's a normal part of the journey and you are now about to move forward. Once you can acknowledge it, you can move forward. Mm -hmm. I, I used to watch quite a lot house hunters and so the house centers international. And so the, the spouse or whatever was the one that was moving. And you always heard that, well, I'm just along for the ride or I didn't choose this. Yeah. And, and the partner who did choose it is always like, well, f- make them happy, <laughs> do something yeah. to make them yeah. happy because yeah. they're sacrificing so much, but to me, it's an opportunity. Yeah. For yeah. it is that double-edged sword. It, yeah. it, whenever someone's on a, on a move, I always say it's bittersweet. Mm-hmm. You know, it is going to be bittersweet. There's going to be a lot that you're losing, but there's going to be a lot that you're gaining, yeah. and the opportunity to reinvent yourself. Every time you move, is an opportunity for yes. reinvention as well. And maybe there's something you learned in that last experience that you go, "Oh, I could improve on that. I could do it differently <laughs> in this experience." <laughs> there's always an opportunity but for six months you will be head down bum up just making that move happen if you're moving state moving internationally that's where your focus will be but after six months you will see a shift in yourself and that's when you go and it could be you literally sit there that one day and you go now what you know like is this it (laughs) and that and that's your opportunity to to start to move forward awesome so Whenever you work with the folks, um, those high-performing leaders, the, those managers, CEOs, you know, chief executive officers, uh, 
what tips or tricks or processes do you give them to help them be able to excel in what they're doing and emerge really successful? Yeah. Do you know, I talk a lot about authentic leadership and being an authentic leader is really about knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. If you know yourself, if you know, we've talked about strengths a couple of times, but if you know your strengths and you know this, this is your zone of genius, then you also know what you should be delegating and what you should be passing on to others. But you, it's got to start with knowing yourself. Yeah. And a lot of people get promoted because of tenure or because they did a great project or because yes. not necessarily because they're really tuned into who they are and mm-hmm. how they want to show up as a leader. So if anyone's listening to this who's you know new in a role, then take that time to get really clear on who you are, what are your strengths, how do they serve, what's that zone of genius, and really do start to delegate that other stuff because for you to be an authentic leader, you've got to be clear on who you are and how that serves whether it's your own business, whether you're working for a big company, it doesn't matter. You've got to know who you are and how you can serve. And when you've got that, that piece of gold in terms of knowledge, then you're anchored and you can do the other stuff. You can build the team around you. You can set that strategic vision. You know, you can do do the goals. All of that stuff comes after you know yourself. And I think that's a really important thing um, for them to address and to realize. But I think you also have to remember now as that leader, as the person who is looking at others to bring up with them, that they understand what you just said a few moments ago, which to me, I always remind people, you know, especially when I was looking for people to bring up, I'm not promoting you just because you did great at this project or that um, you have the tenure, as you said. Um, In my years and years of working, I've seen that happen too many times and it never comes out well. Because a lot of times that company, that business does not give you the time to grow into being a leader. So Mm -hmm. If you see somebody that has something, um, I would think it's a responsibility for you to be able to groom them, to prepare them to be a stronger leader and to understand that transition that we talked about from operational to strategic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you think about, you know, uh, the old method of of talent, you know, your um, performance versus your potential that performance piece is your ability to deliver the project, but then you've got a potential piece and that, that linear or that, that opportunity Mm -hmm. is how you engage with other people, how you communicate with other people, whether you're a leader or not at the moment, how you do those things will determine where you sit on that, that, that specter of performance and potential because you need both to be a really great leader and that's why some people become subject subject matter experts because they're amazing at what they do, mm-hmm. but actually they may not make great leaders. So the challenge for organisations is keeping those people engaged and and you know growing and and challenging them, 
but the leaders are the ones that have both aspects. And if you communicate well, if you share well, if you engage with others well, then you are building yourself towards leadership. Now, there are lots of words out there at the moment about engagement and high-performing teams. And I think in my introduction, <laughs> I've a few of them. But what it comes down to is how do you communicate and engage with other people? Mm -hmm. When you're walking past someone in the office or, um, you know, you're chatting with someone on the call and you say, you know, how are you doing? Being actually interested. <laughs> that you care. Doing it as a cursory <laughs> and having a purpose to asking that question because you want to glean what challenges are they facing? What are they doing well at the moment? You know, that is being really true to who you are, but connecting with them as an individual as well to really bring out the best of both of you for your business or the organisation you're with. So communication is absolutely centre point yeah. to your role if you're going to be a leader. Absolutely. So it is rolling along here. I have one more question before the rapid fire. <laughs> um, so how do you suggest leaders cultivate effective communication that you just talked about, yeah. the strategic thinking and emotional intelligence? You know, is there, do you recommend assessments to kind of gauge where they are? Or is it just really um, giving them projects, assignments that, have them ability to demonstrate what they know, what they don't know, yeah. and yeah. be there to uh, um, kind of advise, coach yeah. them. You know, it really depends on your if, if you're running your own business or if you're in a big company, what you have access to mm -hmm. um, will determine how you go about it. But as you said, knowing what you can and can't do is really mm -hmm. clear, key. And as I said, being an authentic leader is being really clear about who I am mm -hmm. and what my strengths are. And if you can do that and be really honest with yourself, then being an authentic leader, knowing what judgments you automatically have, knowing, you know, that some of that subconscious stuff, you know, <laughs> spending time to understand that will help you build your emotional intelligence. It'll help you communicate better, but it's about making time for it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yes, you can go and do assessments, but if you don't make time to communicate with your team, whether it's a team of two or three or a team of 20, if you don't have a weekly team meeting, if you don't mm. connect on a regular basis, if you if you don't share what the what the immediate goals are, the strategic thinking piece, if you're not thinking about the vision for the next three years for this team or for the business or for the company, then how do your team know mm. what's going on, where it's going? So you've got to be investing time and maybe you need to block your diary for an hour, you know, once a week. And think about the strategic direction that you're going, it, whether it's your business or, as I said, your team or you're in a bigger company, some of that will be given to you. But then you've got to say, well, what does it mean then if it's given to you? For me, I go for a walk and I take <laughs> that and I meditate on it because I need to have that clarity to then be able to share it with the people I'm working with, to be mm. able to then articulate what that means in terms of immediate set of goals, but also by the end of the year and, you know, we need to be have this on the agenda for next year. So I'm talking really fast because I get excited. That's um, okay. You're good. <laughs> but it, it, it comes down to who you, where you're working, what whether it's your own business, what you have access to. But you don't need a lot of investment 
to develop your communication, your strategic thinking and your emotional intelligence. They are things that you can do for yourself really easily. If you give yourself time and space and are really honest with yourself and your strengths, being authentic, making time to communicate, it will all work towards whatever that strategic vision is. And you should be having a goal for, you know, the next three years. Where do you see your business? Where do you see your team going? Um, You should have that. And if you don't, then you need to spend some time this week, prioritise it to articulate. You don't want streams of paper around it. You just want the three or four things that are really important in the next three years, where you see it going, what you see yourself, the team, your business doing, and then drilling that back into immediate goals, short-term goals, and longer-term goals. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take a lot of investment. You don't have to have a lot of, you know, cash to go and access consultants or, you know, psychometric assessments. They're great tools. They are amazing tools. If you can afford them and you want to use them, go for it. But you don't need it. You can just be authentic, know your strengths, and spend time communicating. Uh, a few minutes ago, you talked about the communication and the daily or the weekly chats yeah. with your team. And in this remote world that we live in, um, and I experienced this firsthand whenever I, after um, in 2021, I was uh, took an assignment to go back to the company I retired from for uh, to lead a PMO. And I worked from Georgia and they were in Jersey and people were all over the world. And what I found was um, that the, the people that I had that were managing me did not take time to do that, to, to have the walk around the the office kind of chatting, just, Hey, how things are going. And I think that that hurt the team. Yeah. Um, somewhat. And so some of what I did on the side with the people that associated with me, I kind of did that, but I think it's an important lesson for managers today that a percentage of your team most likely will not be in that office with you day to day. Yeah. And how important it is that you do just what you said a few moments ago. Yeah. And if you are a virtual team, then, you know, those, water cooler chats even if it's your own business and you're working with people you know that you might bring in and out it limits your ability to get to know people and so when we talk about engagement and retention and those sort of you know buzzwords if you like it comes down to being connected and it comes through communication so if you're in a virtual team you have to be creative you have to be deliberate about how you're going to do it and it could be you know when you start a team meeting if you have a weekly meeting you might spend two minutes run a poll, you know, are you a tea or a coffee person, you know, or, or other, you know, or you know, if what's the first spice that you look for in your cupboard? You know, it sounds light and maybe a little bit silly, but they're the things that you miss if you're not in the traditional work environment. And yeah. we're social beings. We want to know each other. We want to understand each other. So you, if you're the leader of a virtual team, you need to be thinking about being deliberate about opening mm. that opportunity, that 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 engagement piece that could say, "Oh, you're a coffee person. What sort? You know, what's your, how do you have it? Long black? You know, 
it helps you get to know people. And that's when people, when they feel like they're being understood, will give you more yeah, as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for rapid fire, just a couple, um, <laughs> what are some best practices in coaching now? Oh, best practice in coaching now. I think a lot of it comes down to tuning into what's going on. Um, and I work with a lot of different people and, you know, as I've said, transition happens for so many reasons, but when we get down to what are your key strengths, when we work on that piece, a lot of other stuff comes out and I can learn a lot about you and what's going on and what maybe are the barriers to you achieving the success you want when we work on that. So I think in terms of um, best best practice coaching at the moment, it's about using your ability to tune into what's going on for someone. And our role is not to say you should be. Our <laughs> role is to ask the questions to say, well, what why is that happening for you? What's showing up for you? You know, where do you see that going? And helping you understand what you need to be doing. Because if you don't come up with it for yourself, you don't own it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got to own it. And I think people sometimes confuse counseling and coaching a little bit. Yes, they you know, do. Counseling's about <laughs> providing that that guidance. Coaching's really about the questions, mm. opening it up so we get the clarity and then finding your your way forward. Yeah. And whenever it comes from you, you buy into it, you get committed to it, you exactly. will see it through. So we talked a little bit about the fact that you do focus on expats. And yes. um, so I, when I first started my um, podcast career, if you will, I, the first, one of the first folks that I was interviewed by was a woman who does help moms that are uh, expats. And so talk to us about um, those stay at home moms and um, any suggestions you would have for them to make the transition a little mm. easier. I know we touched a little bit on this yeah. earlier, but um, you know, specifically for the the moms that have the kids that, yeah. you know, may be in school and they're still at home or maybe they're just young ones and they're not in school yet. Yeah. I think mums moving with children to a foreign country is some one of the most difficult things you can do and you know I'm speaking from experience as well as with the clients I work with it's going to take you six months to get stuff sorted Mm -hmm. you know it takes time but at that point at that six month mark you know it could be four it could be nine but at that point you've got to decide what it is for you that's going to give you a sense of of fulfillment, a sense of purpose. Some people know I'm here for a two-year period. So in that two years, what is it that you're going to achieve? Is it learning a language? Is it volunteering? Is it maybe you want to start your own business, a portable business so you can take it with you? Is it um, getting involved in the kids' school? You know, work out what's important to you because you've got to have something. I mean, there's a bit of an adage, you know, the cliche about the expat wife who goes for lunch and shops that's not fulfilling. I can no. absolutely you guarantee have have purpose. you. <laughs> you absolutely have to have purpose. Yeah. So find out what it is. And the general options are learn a language, volunteer your time, um, get involved in the school, um, start your own business that's portable that you can take with you. 
you know, they're the general options. Depending on where you are, you might be able to get some part-time work, especially in somewhere like Delhi. Um, there are a lot of people able to work 